0: does the Bible teach the Mormon view of the law of chastity? If so, where can we find it? We'll talk about that next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? In our ongoing efforts to bring the beliefs and teachings of Mormon polygamists under the examination of biblical teachings we have discovered a little booklet that is a highly prized possession of certain people in certain polygamous circles. This book is entitled The Law of Chastity. And my guest co-host is Karen Bradshaw today, who was given a copy of this book while she was still a plural wife in the All Red Polygamy group. So welcome, Karen. Thank you for sharing this. And we're going to discuss it, yes. <laughs> what has to say. <laughs> Interesting discussion about this, and if you are particularly sensitive (laughs) about this topic, our viewers, uh, we suggest you probably not watch these next two episodes, because they're going to get a little bit... (laughs) (laughs) nauseating. Now, the book is entitled, it's a little book, It's, it's, it's very small, what, three by five, something like that. It's entitled The Law of Chastity. Now, the inside cover, right, Barry, on the inside, it explains what it is about. Would you tell our viewers what it says it's about? Sure. So it begins
1: with a, compil- a compilation taken from the teachings of Joseph Smith and those who followed him as they were delivered to the Latter-day Saints concerning the principles of sexual and matrimonial purity and its natural consequences.
0: Okay, and it's by Gem Publishing Company, yeah. yes. which is probably a Mormon fundamentalist Publishing. It's A-U-B, AUB Publishing. Okay. Now, those who are familiar with Joseph Smith and his polygamy should be seeing red flags coming up all over the place after what Karen just read. Because in our studies of early Mormon polygamy and how Joseph Smith and the early Mormon polygamists contradicted themselves and conducted themselves, there is no evidence of sexual and matrimonial chastity and purity in their polygamy. No. None. Jesus asked a question which really applies to this topic, and it's in Luke 637, where he asked, Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a ditch? And what's even more strange is that the content rarely addresses sexual immorality than you would think it would. That's what I thought. When I first started reading, that's what I thought it would be about. Mm-hmm. Now, the author is a man by the name of Udney Hay Jacobs, Jacob. written in mm-hmm. 1842. This man is said to have been a non-Mormon, but he did use Joseph Smith's printing press and he later became a Mormon, according to the information that I discovered. But the intro, the introduction said it's a compilation of the teachings of Joseph Smith, according to him, I guess. Now, the first few pages are quotes from Exodus, Leviticus, Matthew, and then quotes from the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants. In using the Bible quotes alongside Mormonism's books, it's obvious that the writer <clears throat> believed the Bible he must have, or he wouldn't have quoted the passages, right? Right. The author yeah. frequently quotes the Bible, and so will we as we discuss it. Shocking is that they quote from Exodus. the, the book quotes from Leviticus chapter twenty, which condemns most of the practices of Mormon fundamentalists. In fact, chapters 18 and 20 of Leviticus, God forbids a man taking sisters as uh, rival wives, and be, but every single polygamy group does it. Jesus, Joseph Smith himself had at least five uh, sets of sisters, and mm-hmm. yet he quotes the very book that prohibits it. There's a lot of space used to describe fornication and adultery <clears throat> and their differences, and is a classic example of of something else Jesus said to the religious leaders of his day.
1: Yeah. Can I intercede of something Of here, huh? So, a friend of mine that, that's in polygamy said, Well, I showed him that scripture about having multiple, like, sisters, like, mm-hmm. as your wives. And he said, Well, that just says not to lay with them. <laughs> How? Is so that absurd. what words are? Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, that was his. Excuse, <laughs> oh well. So,
0: do they have sex standing up? Is that what he's meaning? I have
1: no idea. <laughs> do it doesn't make any sense. Does it, it was just something to say. You know, it's just like they don't really have any clear. They answer. don't understand.
0: They don't understand what it's all about. Okay. Uh, well, what did what did Jesus say in Matthew twenty three? Which is what I think this book does is what the very thing Jesus said here. So, Matthew 23, 24, and 25.
1: Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. (laughs) Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of exhortations and And, self-indulgence.
0: And as we read through this, we find that they discovered a very huge camel. They swallowed it, strained out a gnat. And they swallowed a great big camel. An example of defining the difference between fornication and adultery is on page two, where he, wrote, where he wrote this: <laughs> "The prostitution of the body after marriage
1: constitutes adultery, but alienation of the mind or affections from her husband constitutes fornication in a married woman." Oh, so,
0: so there's the there's there it is. Now the alienation of a wife's mind and affection from her husband is fornication. So so if this is fornication for a married woman, the the obvious question is is it fornication for a married man? If if his affection or is alienated from his wife, right? And the author says no. It's not. <laughs> crazy. And his reasoning is some very tangled and torturous explanation of what he calls the law of marriage. He's using the word of God deceitfully, but God requires us to use the word of God truthfully. We have two scriptures for you to to show what he expects of us as we go through using the Bible as a test. Yeah, I love these scriptures. So 2 Corinthians
1: 4 and 2, But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully. And 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of
0: truth. So we need to handle his word honestly, not deceitfully, and rightfully, rightfully handling it, rightfully discerning what it means. Mm -hmm. And we find through this book they don't. Definitely they do not. He claims that the biblical law of marriage places his wife or the wife Under the husband. And since the husband is never under the wife, it's impossible for him to be put away or divorced for fornication. Now, this is a great setup for polygamy. But this Mm -hmm. booklet is not about polygamy. It's supposed to be about chastity. But in reality, it's more about the typical double standard of male-female relationships in Mormonism and in polygamy. That's what I discovered on it. It really surprised me. On page 9, he wrote, that he wrote, and we quote, There is no act that can be named under heaven for which a man can lawfully put away his wife, and that would be divorce, save for the cause of fornication. But if the husband commit fornication, shall not the wife be entitled to a bill of divorce against him? Impossible. Oh. Did Christ say a woman shall not put away her husband save for the cause of fornication? No. Here's a wrong idea in your heads an idea of a woman divorcing her husband. How can she do this for any offense? The man is not under the law of marriage to his wife, but the wife is bound by the law of her husband as long as her husband liveth. He has to use the King James language there as he talks. Uh The author has redefined the word fornication, and his use of it is pretty (laughs) far-fetched. Now, using the King James Bible... The word fornication is found in the Old Testament only four times. kind of surprises you, but that's true. And each time the context is idolatry or the worship of false gods and idols. Both males and females were guilty of idolatry. So in the Old Testament, fornication carries an equal guilt by the male and the female. Okay, now... Please remember, there's no male or female favoritism of God. Aren't you glad that there's no? Yes. <laughs> God condemns the same sins the male commits just as much as when the female commits those sins. Now, in the New Testament, fornication is used 32 times, and its definition is harlotry, adultery incest, and the Greek word is pornea, which is the word we get the word pornography from. So that is very descriptive of what fornication is in the New Testament. It's not his definition. And from Vine's Dictionary of Biblical Words, fornication can be applied to both male and female and does not include alienation of the female's mind and affection towards her husband, as book claims. So that whole book is about that. Another excruciating example uh, of straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel or splitting hairs is on page 5 before we read
1: this. Okay, so when the church rebels against her lawful husband and master, Jesus Christ, and will not submit to him in all things, she then commits fornication against him. And this is the plain sense of the matter. So in the case of the wife, when she refuses cheerfully to submit to her husband and believe in him then she commits fornication against him even as the false church has against christ and no other possible way can she commit such an act or this act
0: yeah so the word chastity that is required by polygamists and is defined in this book is not about sexual purity it's about control did you know that when you got this book did, oh, no, no. Did, did you ever experience that 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 it was the big control thing when when you were part of it? No, when I received
1: it, i I read the first page of it, and it it really made me uncomfortable. So I just never read it after that. I didn't want to read it.
0: It's a good thing you didn't,
1: yeah. I'm really glad I didn't. It, it, it would have it, just confused me more.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it would have been very confusing. But it's it's about when when we find the definition that he uses for fornication, it's all about mind control. It's all about behavior control that the husband has over the wife. And, and, and it's brainwashing and doublespeak.
1: I'm so glad that I remembered I had it and I gave it to you so yes. we could have this...
0: This discussion. Conversation. Me too, me too. And to, and to find out their definitions of some of these things. They redefine so many things, and this is certainly one of them. Now, if so so the bottom line is if a wife doesn't submit to her husband and believe in him, believe in him, you know, I guess like we're supposed to believe in Jesus? To save. But, to yeah, save. Him. because the husband save saves them. the uh-huh. wife, then she's a fornicator. Mm-hmm. In other words, her chastity has been shattered. Any plural wife that is reading this book uh, is warned that she is under control of the man forever. She becomes his doormat. She, she perhaps becomes his punching bag for either physical or mental or emotional abuse or any abuse. Because she has to submit completely to him, or she's a fornicator. It's all about control. Control the female, Mm -hmm. because without the females, they don't have polygamy. So we have to control them, right? And they have to stay sweet and submissive at all times. And they have to control their mind and their thinking. And that's how they do it.
1: That's how they do it. By teaching this kind of garbage. By calling them fornicators,
0: if they don't. Now, I did my, my... word searches in the bible as well. So I word searched the bible for the word chastity. Okay. Uh, and it's found by the way in the King James Bible nowhere. The word chastity is not really? in the King James Bible. Oh, yeah. Now the word chaste is it's in the New Testament three times and it's in the context of sexual purity. It's never in the context of mind control. Or behavior control, or the wife alienating of, of affections by the wife is never in that context at all. So we mm. know right there he deceitfully used the word, and and so we wonder why this book is called the law of chastity when sexual purity is not the object of discussion. I searched the book from which this booklet was taken, and the word purity is used only once, and the word pure is used only once. And neither time was it in the context of sexual chastity. It's kind of a, what, what, do, they, what do they call it when they, they, they give you something and then they give you something else instead? Um, it, I can't think of the phrase right now, but it, it's, it's what they do. They change the rules on you. Uh, the idea of a male controlling the female is all through the book. It's all what it is on the on the text here as well as in The Peacemaker, which is what the book, this one, was taken from. On page 6 of The Peacemaker, he writes that a man will love his wife when she is worthy, which echoes Orson Pratt's idea that a husband will love all his wife equally when each wife has proven herself worthy of his love. And that's kind of what he echoes But Jesus loves us, not because we're worthy, because we're not. He loves us because that's who he is. And the husband is required to love his wife as Jesus loves his people. The male control the female is all through Mormonism, both LDS and in polygamy, which is so far removed from the grace that comes by Jesus Christ. Grace and law are opposites, and they have put, everything under some kind of law. And and as I listen to you talk about some of the things that they taught you, there's so many laws that they've called things that are law. The law of chastity, the law of the priesthood, the law of, of marriage, the law of tithing, the law just law of everything. Yeah. That they put everything under the law. Law and uh,
1: ordinances.
0: Laws and ordinances. The ordinances of baptism. The ordinances of
1: like temple ordinances. Yeah, it's all Nailed to the cross, thank goodness.
0: <laughs> it's not been nailed to the cross, exactly. Now, the author of this book is, is also the author of the booklet, Peacemaker, which I downloaded, and you can download it from the from the link on the screen yourself. Um, and you can download the book, The Peacemaker, which will have all of what this says, plus more. about chastity, plus more. And at the end of that little booklet, uh, there's a notation by the author, and he said that the fundamental, or that the, not, it's, It's not from the author of the book, but it's by the uh, polygamist who got a hold of the booklet. And notice that it said that the fundamentalist polygamists have added some text. They said they added the text to change the wording to where it would be more modern, Mm -hmm. uh, to make it more readable in present-day language. And from that, we want to read, quote, one of the paragraphs in that book about spiritual fornication.
1: Okay. So, there is a spiritual fornication as well as a spiritual adultery. When a woman apostatizes in spirit from her husband, she then commits fornication against the spiritual law of marriage. And in no other way can a married woman commit fornication. Oh my goodness. (laughs) If she prostitutes her body, it is adultery. There is also a spiritual adultery as well as adultery of the body. Which may be committed by the man. If a man looks on another woman's wife and lusts after her, he has committed adultery already in his heart. If he carries his unlawful desires into effect, it is adultery of the
0: body. Okay, so now he delineates between what, fornication and adultery. Yeah. Of, of, of what it is. And it doesn't really jive with, with what he already said that a man can do anything. There's more of that stuff coming, too. (laughs) That's true. He does contradict his ideas quite a bit through this. Now, of course, he says if a a man looks at another man's wife, unless after her he's committed adultery in his heart, and if he carries it out, then he has committed adultery in the body. Okay? Now, he quoted what he said Jesus said about looking at another man's wife, then that's equal to adultery. We need to point out here how he twisted what Jesus said. Now, he wrote, and this is what he said, If a man looks at another man's wife and lusts after her, he has committed adultery already in his heart. Now, we want you to see what Jesus actually said and how he twisted what Jesus said in Matthew 5. 27 and 28 says, You have heard that it was
1: said to those of old... You shall not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh at a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery in with her in his heart.
0: Okay. Now he said, the looking at another man's wife is is uh, lusting in the yeah, heart is he, adultery. Jesus said, looking at any woman is lusting. In lust is adultery. So he <laughs> wow. has laid. He, again. He's laying. The, he's laying the foundation for polygamy by adding his own wife rather than any woman, because in polygamy a married man can lust after any woman, and yes. if she's not married, then everything's okay.
1: Sorry about this.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So,
1: excuse me, Doris. I'm sorry. So he talks about how
0: Jesus's atonement uh, takes care of our sins upon repentance. And he doesn't seem to know how to apply that concept when it comes to fornication or adultery. Um, he uses the law frequently. Yeah, and isn't that interesting that Joseph Smith
1: um, actually did marry other women? Other that were Other husbands' mm-hmm. wives. Right. Other men's wives. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't even follow with what oh. they teach because he did that.
0: That's why at the beginning of the book, adultry. when he talks about purity in marriage and, and the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, he, he didn't teach purity in marriage. I mean, he taught it, but he didn't do it. He yeah. didn't live purity in his marriage by any means. Yeah. It is. It's very strange. But they How, teach it, but then they can't But they don't live do it. it. They don't do it. Um, it's all for the woman. The woman is the one that needs to stay pure. The man doesn't have to. That was one of the things that really bothered me when I was still a a young girl in a polygamy group. I couldn't understand why the woman had to stay pure, but the man got to have all these wives. Yeah. That didn't. He was. That's what my husband said to me. I'm still available. I won't wear your wedding ring because I'm still available. I'm still available. Boy, that's hard. That's hard. Now, again, the, uh, we want to talk about law again, how they use the laws and the ordinances and the obligation, and they've invented laws for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the law of the priesthood, the law of chastity, the spiritual law of marriage, which he calls, and, of course, they have turned that into polygamy, and many others. But but then when they throw around the word atonement without having a clue that Jesus' death and, on the cross and his resurrection Uh, that all genuine believers are not under law we're under grace Mm -hmm. and the only law that authentic believers are under is the law of spirit and life and we have a a scripture Romans 8 for that for the law of the spirit of life is
1: in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death
0: okay so we are free from the law Because we're under the law of the spirit and life in Jesus Christ. When a person has this life in Christ, all his sins and any and all ordinances are wiped out. The slate is clean. Praise God. Um, And that's what saving faith in Jesus is really all about. It's not about law. And it comes with repentance, of course. Confession of the truth and trusting in Jesus alone for eternal life. That's simple. And then he writes his law of love in our hearts. He writes his law in our hearts that's exactly. all of love. And and so we're going we're to be under. talking a, a lot about that a, lot. a little bit later because that's all it is. It's not about polygamy love either. Uh-uh. It's oh, It's talking <laughs> about loving everybody equally. So, yes. despite whatever religion that any of our viewers may be immersed in, if laws and ordinances and threats and guilt and shame and confession to bishops or priests or anyone else is required, you have not appropriated or participated in God's free gift of grace. Which is the only valid ticket to heaven, it's the only way we have a quote that jesus uh, and, uh, that John said about Jesus in John
1: 117For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus
0: Christ, okay so and and, and Jesus brought the grace, but they want to put us under the law of Moses, yeah. with added laws, which is then we're under a curse, uh, we're yeah. under the law yeah. And Hebrews tells us that Jesus is greater than Moses. So why would they want to put us under another law? makes sense. He's also greater than their prophets. Jesus is greater than any Mormon or polygamous prophet and and we're if we're in the in the under the law of Christ, we don't have to worry about all this other stuff right And another place in the New Testament we are taught, but most people probably don't realize this that the law is given not for righteous people but for the unrighteous in First 1 Timothy 1 1.9. Yep, it says
1: knowing this that the law is not made for a righteous person but for the, the lawless and insubordinate for the ungodly and the sinner.
0: So they want to give us so many laws but the laws are not <laughs> for people under grace at all. If you're under religious law and your religion you are not living under grace and that's not a very good place to be. In fact, it's a good idea to, to just step back and take a look at what you are trusting for eternal life because eternity is coming. No one can, is going to be... My uh, 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 <laughs> mind just went blank. Uh, exempt from it. And so the question is, where will you be when you die? This, this writer gives some very bizarre explanations of husbands and wives of divorce and fornication and so on. He wrote that nowhere in the law of God or in the scriptures is there mention of a divorced man because property cannot put away its owner. This comes from the Mormon viewpoint that women are the property of the male. We read this from page 11.
1: Okay, so the idea of a woman... Taking a man to be her husband is not found in the word of God. But the man marries the woman, and the woman is given in marriage. She is therefore the property of the husband in marriage. But the husband is not the property of the wife in any sense of the word.
0: Uh, uh, We're not twisting his words. That's what he said. However, it's also clear that he didn't read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, explaining that the wife's body belongs to the husband, and the husband's body equally belongs to the wife. 1 Corinthians 7, 4. Yeah, I love this.
1: (laughs) So the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does.
0: Okay, so marriage is an equal partnership, sexually as well as the rest of the relationship. There's no ownership of women by men. And ancient cultures, and some even today, some religions claim that females are the property of the husband. But don't claim that God said so because he didn't. And then he uses the 10th of the 10 commandments to strengthen his position that women are property. Now the 10th commandment says, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, or his donkey, nor anything that your neighbor possesses. And so he points out that it's obvious that God sees women as property because she's placed in the same context as men servants and maidservants and animals. She's a different kind of property, he says, but she's still property. And this is just another deceitful use of God's word. In Genesis 2.24, God illustrated monogamy as his model for marriage. And he said, Adam is to cleave to his wife. Where are we supposed to cleave to property? And none other. And none other, Right. Now, there's more to say about this, and more about what he wrote that we want to discuss, uh, and and we also want to put some what other people to round out the discussion of what others have said in Mormonism about uh, chastity. So we're going to do that in part two, um, and so stay tuned for that. So thank you, Karen. Thanks. Thank you, Karen. We're going to discuss interesting stuff in part two. You know. Uh, My closing comments is there is no law of chastity under which God has placed us. Most people don't understand the biblical concept of law and grace which results in terrible injuries to biblical doctrine as this author has done, as all of Mormonism has done. Mormonism is very consistent in mixing up Old Testament law with New Testament grace, but God says don't do that. Genuine believers are not under the dozens of laws of Mormonism or anyism, because no law will ever make us right with God. Galatians 2:16 and 5:4 re- reminds us and warns us that if we live under religious law, we have fallen from grace. And God tells us that by grace we're saved. Don't forget, it was Jesus Christ, the Savior, who brought us grace, not law. Law equals penalties, and grace equals freedom. Freedom from law, freedom from penalty, and freedom from polygamy. Stay tuned for next time on Polygamy, What Love Is This? This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hanson. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by a Shield and Refuge ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.